0: From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 677, Managing Cosmos DB with guest Deborah Chen. Recorded Saturday, January 25th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Deborah Chen, who is a program manager on Azure Cosmos DB. She focuses on building a great developer experience with SDKs, the portal experience, notebooks, and more, and improving the getting started experience for new customers. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Deb.
1: Hey, Richard. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I know you a Deb or a Deborah, because I'm definitely a Richard over a Rich.
1: Yeah, uh, both are fine.
0: Okay. Well, whatever, whatever works best for you. I, I appreciate it. So, everybody's hearing about Cosmos DB. I like this idea of data storage designed for the cloud. It's just a question of, do we really get our hands around what is this thing and why do we want to use it?
1: Yeah, I think one of the, uh, we see a lot of customers moving to solutions like Cosmos DB for many reasons. Um, I think, uh, where do you even start? Uh, Mm -hmm. One of them is, uh, you know, when you move to the cloud, one of the things you get is because you're not dealing with any of your infrastructure, uh, it's actually very easy to set up. Uh, In Cosmos DB, after you you set up your account. You can just make a new database container. You can even do this off in the portal UI. And then you have a connection string and you're basically ready to start reading and writing data. Um, I think the easy setup time is a huge plus. Um, I think the other one is for modern applications, uh, we see data uh, has a lot of formats and often will change over time. So In a relational database, you might fix it. You'll probably fix a schema early on. And if you need to change it at any point, that becomes, uh, you know, there's no work. Yeah. You have to do, uh, and, uh, Uh, in Cosmos DB, because we have this flexible schema where you can put anything in your JSON, if you do need to add a new property, remove a property, um, I've been in a situation before where, oh, we really want to show one more piece of data to our users, but it's not in this table. Can we just add that property? And then it becomes, no, we need to do a schema migration mm-hmm. and it uh, becomes a longer discussion. Yes. Uh, but Cosmos DB, just update your JSON and now you have it. Uh, in your uh, in your documents.
0: Now, the to me, the impact that then is that I have data from before that new piece of data and data mm-hmm. from after it. Right. So I mean, how does that impact querying or or reporting and so forth? Like, what is it what happens when I query in a row from before the change that doesn't have
1: that new property yeah that's a good point so typically when you do a query you might even if you explicitly select that property it'll just show the uh results that do exist in different documents Mm -hmm. so um if you uh have a query where it doesn't exist you can always project something like blank or null or anything like that so we we kind
0: of get to decide do i return doesn't exist or null or you know so the standard right. response for that element isn't present. Right. That's pretty flexible, right? Like you take a lot of pain away.
1: I would I would say so. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just, a, it, but is that the main reason to use it? I, mean, I always thought its claim to fame was this whole distributed database thing.
1: Yeah. I think this is just one aspect. The schema flexibility of it is definitely one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other one is really the a high availability story on Cosmos DB, right? In every application you have, you want your app and your database to be highly available. And of course, if your database isn't functioning, then your app really isn't functioning yeah, either. Not a lot um, going on. Yep. <laughs> One of the uh, great things about Cosmos DB is that we actually have a lot of guarantees around SLAs for both uh, performance, throughput, latency, and availability. Okay. Um, uh, so if, uh, we have, uh, five nines of availability if you set up multi-region, uh, with Cosmos DB. And, um, I think we're the only database out there that also has a latency on performance. That is how fast, uh, your read, your key value, uh, lookups, um, and writes will complete. Wow. So for, uh, I think every database likes to say they're the fastest database, but we, micro- uh, we actually have a financially backed SLA. So the SLA is uh, for 1KB documents, if you do a point read or a point write, uh, we guarantee that at the 99th percentile, it'll finish in 10 milliseconds or less.
0: Man, that's like counting on the Internet, too.
1: (laughs) yeah and we have definitely have some customers they want to do something uh real time where let's say you want to show let's say product recommendations on a retail website right uh studies show if um i don't remember the exact numbers but if you can't load the page in a certain enough time the customers will bounce off it's
0: like two so, seconds or three seconds yeah. right? that's the old google performance numbers of you've got mm-hmm. to be this quick so yeah you know it's definitely a money maker to make sites go faster goodness knows i think i paid for my house off of making websites go faster <laughs> yeah but uh but ten milliseconds, like that's fast. Like how how did what how how do you get over the latency in the net in the internet? There is it all local?
1: Yeah. So there is still some physics involved. Obviously, mm-hmm. if your uh, applications in the United States and your data is in Australia, it's not going to be ten milliseconds. Right. Uh, so the contract is as long as your application is running in the same Azure region as the Cosmos DB region you have, and we're in fifty-four regions and counting. Right. Uh, as long as you're in the same region in our uh, client SDK, you just said, oh, I have applications in this region. We'll route all the reads and uh, potentially writes to that region as well. Uh, writes if you have the multi-master set up, uh, uh, but reads will definitely go to that region. And then, yeah. Okay, so that's what you're offering
0: yeah. is I, we're guaranteeing that given you're both in the same region, 10 milliseconds mm-hmm. between the data between the Cosmos DB store and the app yep. server in Azure. Correct. See correct. that I believe you can deliver on because that means you guys have got control of that network and can keep that tight because that heck ten milliseconds good for a LAN. <laughs> Yep. That's awesome and, and a heck of an offer. And it's I think it's part of the interesting part about this is I have in the past working on large scale websites gone to the sort of how we do the distributed data store where mm-hmm. we have CDNs in Europe and we want to replicate a certain amount of the data out there. And, mm-hmm. and building that stuff is expensive and hard.
1: Yeah. And I imagine you must have had to make sure, uh, like do the handle of the data replication yourself, right? And keep yep. them consistent and make sure. Uh one of the nice things about Cosmos DB is um we literally have this map of the world with Azure data centers in different regions and if you want to add a new region you can just click it on the map add it and we'll asynchronously and automatically copy all the data over and then once that region's online you can just start uh setting operations to that region so you never have to write any custom you know replication code or anything like that
0: Now, the other side of this is deciding which node to use. So do you provide me a tool or I can just have a client pick the correct uh, copy of uh, the data to read from?
1: Yeah, so the behavior changes a bit in different, uh, depending on the version of the client library you use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the newest version, which uh, we highly recommend you use, we have a, uh, we've done a lot to improve the user interfaces or the developer experience of all of our Python, .NET, Java, JavaScript SDKs. Uh, but in the latest version, uh, we made it even easier. Uh, what you do is you'll say in your application when you first initialize the Cosmos client instance, you'll say. Uh, my app is in this region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a preset list of regions you can choose from. And then uh, requests will go there. And then if for some reason there is an issue with that region, like a worst case, right, it ha- happens to be down, uh, the SDK will automatically pick another region, assuming you have a second region. By the way, you should always have a second region if you're running a mission-critical <laughs> app. Uh, if yeah. there's only one region and it goes down, uh, no uh, Cosmos DB nor any other database service will be able to no, <laughs>
0: nothing's gonna help. You. To, to help (laughs) But, I mean, does it make any sense to set up Cosmos DB with only one region?
1: Um, I think the only times where it makes sense where if you were doing, like, development and tests and right. this wasn't running in production, you just wanted to save on cost, I would definitely recommend just being in one region. Um, I think maybe if you had a, a application where you really didn't care about the mission-critical uh, nature of it, then uh, it should be okay. Right. Uh, keep in mind, with one region, you'll still get four nines of read and write availability, uh, which isn't still too bad, right? So if you uh, have actually um, more flexible requirements on availability, then that might even still be okay. Uh, but as a best practice, I think any real true mission-critical workload Where either uh, you know revenue is on the line, or your user, your reputation with users is on the line, uh, you'll definitely want at least two regions for that HA.
0: Yeah, uh, I can't imagine. You know, once you go to production, you kind of are thinking that way anyway. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned cost. Is it particularly costly to go to have multiple nodes?
1: Uh, So by multiple nodes, uh, you mean regions?
0: Yeah, different regions.
1: Yeah, so uh, what happens is in Cosmos DB, you choose a certain amount of throughput that you want guaranteed on your uh, database or collection. So you can start as low as 400 RUs, which mm-hmm. is about 24 USD a month. Uh, that means for 400 RUs, uh, assuming given our benchmarks, you can do around 400 point reads a second, right? if you're doing key value lookups, uh, or around 80 writes per second. So this is the uh, entry point, and it's still actually uh, quite a bit of throughput you can get, right? 400 reads per second uh, for $24 a month. Um, If you do add a new region, we make sure that you have that throughput in that region as well. So if you added East US and West US, you'll have uh, 400 RUs worth of throughput in uh, East US and 400 in West US. Uh, So then your total will be 800 RUs all up. All right. Uh, So there's a multiplier on the throughput, but the assumption is if you're actually using it, then you'll get good value of
0: it. Yeah, sure. You're telling me I can be pushing out 400 RUs per second all month long. Correct. And you'll charge me $24. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Not <laughs> that expensive, but admittedly, big apps, busy things like 400 is 400 a second is not that much. As, as soon right. as, yeah. as soon as the user counts start to go up, like you are going to eat this, and is right. it literally and just multiples after that? You go four hundred to eight hundred to to twelve hundred and so forth, and it's twenty four dollars each time.
1: Uh, so we can let like, you go up in increments of one hundred. So we're actually uh, pretty flexible in the granularity. Forward to just the entry point. Uh, practically, we've had some internal customers who have thirty million RU's. Wow. Uh, so if you think about, you know, uh, what you know, uh, Microsoft internal teams are doing to support. Uh, their own customers. Um, but in general, the best practice is if you try to figure out the throughput you need, typical reads, writes, queries for the application uh, and measure how many use each consumes, which you can do either via our portal, um, our client SDK, we have a capacity calculator to help you do this. That's another mm-hmm. uh, tool available online for free uh, and provision the right amount and you'll be in good shape. Um, we do have a new feature that came out, it's uh, still in preview right now. We, uh, we announced the preview uh, last Ignite uh, called Autopilot. So uh, I think maybe uh, some... Uh, customers I've definitely spoken to, when you explain provision throughput, sounds great, but then you're like, oh, wait, but can't it just uh, scale up and down for me automatically? Isn't that kind of the promise of the cloud that uh, that kind of capacity will be handled? Right. Uh, so, it was actually been one of our top user voice items that we finally addressed. We have a preview of Autopilot, where you basically choose, what is the max RUs I want my collection to ever scale to? So, you could say, my if my max RUs is 4,000 RUs, the max will ever scale to is 4,000, so we will never be be on that. Uh but it's if I'm not actually using it, Cosmos TV is going to scale me down to what it's actually using. And that could actually be the minimum, right? So it'll handle that for you.
0: Down to 400. Right. Wow. Okay. That's that decreases the risk of surprise bills. Yep. And uh and certainly in in exchange for when you hit this limit, people are going to start waiting. Yep. Yeah, that's a fair trade. Yep. Uh the fact that we have multiple nodes and that they're synchronized all the time, is that the backup strategy? Is there anything else to do? What if I want an offline copy of a, a Cosmos database?
1: Yeah, if you want an offline copy. Um, so typically for uh, HA reasons, I think adding the second region will give you the uh, high availability that you want. Because right. if one region goes down, the request would just go to the next one and failover. Uh, if you want an offline copy, Uh, copy. I know some customers have requirements where they want to do auditing or they need to keep one year or five years of their historical data. Right. Uh, One common pattern you can do is if you want more custom control over these backups, uh, you can use a feature called the change feed uh, with our Azure Functions integration where basically anytime a piece of data gets written or updated in Cosmos DB, you can trigger the change feed or trigger the function to read from the change feed and get the full copy of the document and you can just write that to some of the data store. So Blob Storage would be an option for that. Interesting. Uh, and then you might have everything there. And Blob Storage is also uh, pretty cheap for storage as well. So you can have, you know, years and years of data there.
0: Well, I guess that is a question is like, as these JSON file stores get larger and larger, you are charging me for storage?
1: Uh, in Cosmos DB? Yeah. Yeah. So the in addition to the RUs, uh, the other component is uh, storage. Mm-hmm. It's uh, public pricing is 25 cents per GB. Okay. So if, even if you have one terabyte, uh, it's around 250 a month, which is not,
0: not horrific. Too bad. Yeah. Not horrific. Yeah, that's not going to kill anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that said, I think typically Cosmos DB um, is really great for use cases where you have kind of hotter data or maybe even medium hotness of data yeah. where you know you're going to be constantly reading and uh, you're going to be accessing it frequently enough to justify uh, paying for the RUs there. Uh, for workloads where it's really just cold storage, where maybe you it's there for compliance reasons, but you never actually query it. There's no applications on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a better candidate for cold storage solutions like Blob Storage.
0: Going over to like, Blob Storage. And so yeah. I, I could easily have a dev just write a chunk of code that walked the set, used mm-hmm. the change feed, and, and pushed it over to the Blob Storage and yep. got it out of our live uh, storage <laughs> side, Saves and yeah. saves some money. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't sound ho- horribly difficult. What's yeah. the instrumentation like? How do I monitor the state of a Cosmos DB? Well, I guess the question is, what distress does it get in besides some kind of Azure outage? Not that those happen very yeah.
1: often. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood right here. Uh, so yeah. in terms of um, other things, uh, if you really want to get the best performance out of the Cosmos DB, I think one of the most powerful tools you have in your arsenal is this feature called Diagnostic Logs. Um, So diagnostic logs is uh, it's optional feature in Cosmos DB but what it does is Cosmos DB can automatically collect a bunch of telemetry about your usage uh, on your behalf and then send that to your choice of output. So right now we support uh, blob storage, uh, we support uh, event hub as well as log analytics. Um, I think the one for uh, doing the most, uh, real-time analysis of your workloads would be log analytics. So the data gets piped there and it has all sorts of data. Like it has every request that gets, that gets sent to Cosmos DB. What kind of request was it? Was it a query? Was it a read? Was it write? Was it a delete? Was it an update, et cetera? Uh, did it happen on a document, a collection or a container, a database? Uh, the status code? Was it a 200? Was it, uh, 429? Was it throttled? And exactly, I think this is probably the most important thing. Uh, How many RUs that one single operation consumed? Right. So you might see, wow, you know, I seem to be running all these operations that are consuming 100 RUs. And like, which ones are those? Why are they eating up my entire RU budget? And you can actually go into diagnostic logs. There's user agents. Uh, I think it sometimes has the client IP address. You can get better sense there. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other main reason to use this is you can pretty easily write a query for uh, I've provisioned this many RUs, but effectively per second, how many am I using? If right. you just do a sum of all the RUs per second, bin it by one second, you can also see over time, I'm actually using more than I provisioned or or actually I'm very close to what I provisioned, maybe getting throttled a bit or I'm extremely under, which means I can save a lot of costs by just lowering the RU.
0: Turning it down a little, yeah. Because when you're budgeting, when you're provisioning RU, you're basically asking Microsoft make these resources available to me.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: So it's good to be able to tune that a little bit. Uh, I'm going to break for one moment for this very important message. If keeping up with the growing amount of security patches and managing complex Microsoft in place upgrades are becoming a pain point within your IT department, Baramundi Management Suite is the solution. The Baramundi Management Suite gives you real time lifecycle management of all network endpoints from classic Windows and Mac to iOS and Android devices. Baramundi Software automates time-consuming tasks, including Windows migration, software installation, inventory, and backup. Whether you managed IT for a small company or a global corporation, Baramundi optimizes endpoint management, frees time for new projects, and reduces IT costs. Check out www.barramundisoftware.com to receive your run-as radio 25% discount and info for a 30-day trial. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell, and that is Deborah Chen. And we're talking a little Cosmos DB. And I see here uh, APIs for Cassandra, for MongoDB, for Gremlin. So I, this is interesting to me because I've had the situation where developers are struggling with a NoSQL store that's sort of on-prem, and they're looking to scale. Is this a solution then? It's like, well, let's just switch over to Cosmos DB as the back end for this MongoDB-dependent application?
1: Yeah, that's definitely the promise is that, you know, if you are running, oh, first off, let me say, in addition to these APIs, mm-hmm. uh, for all new applications, we always recommend going with our core native SQL API. Okay. Uh, just because we control both, you know, the front end, the the client, the SDKs, right, and the back end service. So, you know, any new features will always have, um, latest up to date in there. Right. Uh, for Cassandra, Mongo, uh, they're really for kind of migration stories. Like okay. you said, you might have existing Cassandra application on-prem, existing Mongo on-prem, and you really are looking to move to the cloud to get out of, uh, you know, managing your own infrastructure. In mm-hmm. some cases, managing your own data center, potentially, Yes. Right. if you're a very large customer. Um, so the promise of these APIs is that we implement the wire protocol uh, of the Cassandra Mongo Gremlin driver, and you can use the community drivers or whichever driver you were using before. Send a request, but instead of sending it to the normal Mongo or Cassandra API uh, connection string, you'll switch it out with the Cosmos DB connection string, and we will accept the request and basically almost uh, emulate and do what that request, uh, what you'd expect that request to do. So you can use the old driver, send us your request, and we'll serve it from the data uh, that's underlyingly stored in Cosmos DB.
0: Wow, okay. And, then, and again, that's just a migration strategy. Is there an incentive at that point then to switch over to the regular API?
1: Yeah, so I guess it depends on uh, how much work you want to do. Uh, obviously, if you, uh, as a migration play, if you're able just to switch the connection string and just test your application and make sure that uh, you have all the supportive features working, then there's a lot less work to do. Yeah. Uh, if you do switch to the uh, SQL API, you will of course have to switch, you know, the client SDK you're using, uh, rewrite all that code. Yes. Which at that point becomes almost like a new app development at that point. Yeah.
0: That's not, that could be a really substantial amount of work, maybe, or, but at least new work going forward could still work against the same just with a different API.
1: Right. Uh, but if you do decide, even if you go with the APIs like Cassandra, Mongo, et cetera, all the SLAs around, uh, you know, throughput, latency, all still apply. So mm. you'll still get for point reads and point writes the less than 10 millisecond guarantee. If you provision a certain amount of throughput, we'll still guarantee that amount of throughput. Uh, so you still get all those great guarantees there, uh, but you get the comfort and familiarity of using your uh, the drivers that you're and community tooling that you might be used to.
0: And because there, an, there isn't an on-prem implementation of Cosmos DB.
1: Mm. There is not. This you're is a built the from cloud. the cloud.
0: Right, uh, for, the the cloud. for the cloud.
1: Service, yeah. That's
0: what this is about. So Develop the, You know, if a developer wants to develop against this off the bat, we're going to have to provision a, uh, something in the cloud for them, which, well, Cosmos DB for them, which that's not that yep. big of a deal. It just has to be, it's just part of the process. But if yep. they were developing locally against Mongo, they can come back at you and go, okay, I want to deploy this to the cloud, and we have the option then to switch to Cosmos DB just by changing the connection string. Right. That's pretty epic, Deb. Like, wow. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's an awful lot of power.
1: Yeah, I think it's... um. I think it just in terms of the NoSQL space, the idea for um, I think Azure Cosmos DB and Microsoft at least is uh, if you're doing any kind of NoSQL solution, whether you're doing you know uh, regular just JSON-based document model, mm-hmm. also applies to Mongo graph database, uh, you know uh, uh, key-value uh, table uh, or column family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all going to be under the Cosmos DB umbrella, and we've got you covered there.
0: Right. Yeah, so I could almost see an initiative from an IT perspective as we're moving these apps into the cloud and they each want to provision their own VMs for different data stores and things. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather have them pointing to Cosmos DB where I already have an instrumentation strategy, a management strategy, and so on. Yep. So what about the security story? Is there anything specific I need to do in terms of restricting access to data?
1: Uh, So when it comes to Cosmos DB, you have a couple of different options. Uh, but first of all, every, all your data is encrypted at both at rest and in transit. Mm-hmm. And we make this, it's not even an option. It's just there by default. So you can't even turn it off if right. you want. Um, if you want to, uh, restrict access at the account level, you can say, you know, I have, um, these users that I want to be able to access my account. And then, uh, only those will be able to access it. Uh, we also have the ability for you to use, uh, resource tokens if you want to give more granular access at either the database, Uh, collection or item uh, level, or even the partition key level. Um, So one common scenario is, let's say, uh, you're running a multi-tenant application, and you have, let's say, different documents for each tenant, right? right? And uh, tenant A um, might be, let's say, Microsoft. (laughs) So you might have like tons and tons of uh, data for them. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you have another smaller, medium company in the same uh, tenant, Actually, if Microsoft was that big, you'd probably have your own dedicated collection you, to you it. You would hope, <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, let's just say you have all medium-sized tenants, uh, and you don't want to give each of them their own collection. Right. Uh, because, you know, they might not all be super active at one time. They don't need those guarantees, but so just put them all in the same collection, provision the RUs you need. Uh, what you can do is you can create this concept of users within the... Uh, uh, within the database and then assign users different permissions to different resources so you can assign uh, let's say in this case it would probably be for a partition key uh, partition key uh, level so if you're right. a partition key company A then you can only access data for uh, you have to pass in this token when you do your requests. Uh, you'll every once in a while you'll have to refresh a token mm-hmm. uh, make sure it's up to date uh, but then you can only do uh, that kind of access so, and, and so uh, are those addition, partition
0: yeah. keys somehow attached to the individual data items that it knows this is for that partition, so it can't be accessed any other way, even though they're in the same collection?
1: Yeah, correct. So in the document itself, you define, uh, you have a bunch of properties, and then when you create the collection, you specify the property that will be the partition key. So you might even just call it partition key or PK or anything you like there.
0: Right. Can there be more than one partition key mapped to a given item, or is it only one-to-one?
1: That's a great question. So you can only pick one path or right. one property as the partition key. But within that, if you have something like uh, just partition key, it can be a concatenation of multiple things too. Right? It doesn't have to be literally a field that exists uh, cool. organically in your data.
0: Well, I'm back to that multi-tenant thinking and also being able to say to my client, like, look, while it's assi- while that item is signed to you, you, are- you and your accounts are the only one that can access it. Not even I as the admin can, but maybe there's a workaround for that.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, I guess if you were... Sorry, say that again?
0: I'm just thinking, you know, I I like being able to say to my customers, only you can see your customer data. Not even I can see that data. But sometimes they want to be able to say, hey, can you get access to this data for us? Because there's a problem of some kind.
2: Right.
1: I would say um, as... Uh, obviously as Cosmos DB people who work on the team, like we can't see your customer data unless you specifically authorize us. And it's for a very specific debugging case. Right. Um, but, uh, I'd say if you are, let's say a customer using Cosmos DB, and then you have other customers, uh, you'll probably be able to see the data, uh, within your own accounts.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, and again, I can write good code around setting the rules for this. It's just a question of what right. flexibility is there.
1: Right. Uh, uh, then for other. security, yeah. For other security features, we also support both uh, VNet and firewall as well.
0: And what? Sorry, what was the first one? VNet. Oh,
1: VNet. Um, VNet. Okay. VNet yeah. Firewall.
0: So I can se- I can define a define a, a network that just simply right. partitions it off or sure. firewall yep. with some kind of uh, entry rules. Yep. So certain IP ranges, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yep. All right. Yeah. So you have uh, lots of choices for, for granular protection. Although, again, you're using Cosmos DB, so you probably want your, your tenant application to be in the same region. Does it really yeah, matter I how, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a VM or an Azure website or, or a set of containers in AKS, all yeah, works I, the same?
1: Yeah, I think being in the same region uh, is uh, what's going to guarantee you those uh, performance SLAs. Right. Yep.
0: And then your impact for an outage. And again, we have to question when yep. there be an outage yep. is a decrease in performance because it just goes and starts accessing data from a different region.
1: Right. So it depends on the setting you set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one feature in Cosmos DB called multi master, which basically means every region you set up can accept both reads and writes. The okay. writes is the operative word here. So if that's the case, then let's say uh, you have three regions and you are reading and writing to uh, all of them. And let's say region A it goes down, there's an outage, right? Then uh, the SDK can pick the next region that you have that's mm-hmm. closest and that you also have. And because that region can also accept writes, you just send the writes over there. And, you and now on. you effectively have RTO of zero, right? Because right. the data uh, was written there. Um, if you do not have multi-master set up, uh, we'll, what we'll end up doing is we'll do a failover. So I think we have a SLA of uh, 15 minutes to do the failover. So during that time window, you might not be able to do writes. But then once that other region comes online, it should go. So if you have a super mission critical application where, uh, reading and writing a lot of data, for example, like a shopping cart website, where if you can't write to a shopping cart, you can't process orders, you right. can't, uh, fulfill orders, you know, long tail of impact at the end, then it makes sense to have, uh, multi master. But I, I, I
0: imagine multi master is expensive because you're just increasing the number of RUs for every ride.
1: Yeah. And we have to make sure, uh, we, there's more resources needed to do the replication. Sure. Uh, so it's definitely a, Uh, Maybe like a niche power user feature. There is a price impact, but I think you should always weigh that against the value you would get if you really needed it.
2: But your
0: typical geo scenario, it's I want my UK customers to have great experience. So I have a UK region set up with a UK instance using UK data. And Mm -hmm. I have an Americas region with Americans data. And normally the two don't cross except for Mm -hmm. perhaps reporting. And so there's no reason to have multi-master on.
1: Yeah. Well, in that case, the nice thing about Cosmos DB is even if you would say you have two regions, a UK region, America's region, because we do the data replication, you actually end up having the same region in both of the the two regions. Right. So you typically have a, um, uh, I'm going to say a word. It's going to open up a can of worms, but uh, typically consistent view across the uh, two regions, which means that if for some reason in the the America's region uh, is down, even the America's customers can still, or the application running in that region will just route the requests if they can do reads, right? Maybe, uh, it can still show, you know, things in your, um, in your product catalog, route the read to the UK region and, uh, it will be slower, of course, because of the, uh, the distance, mm-hmm. uh, but your app will still be available, right? right? Which I think, uh, is probably the important thing here.
0: Sure. And I guess the question is, can we envision a scenario where Cosmos DB is down in a region, but the app services are not down. Like, I would think you, you're you going to fail everything over to the other region rather than have some stuff running still in the Americas region with the Cosmos DB down in that region and uh, and using Cosmos DB in the UK. That just seems weird to me.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, that case was just if Cosmos DB happened to be down, but I guess uh, hopefully you would have a solution for your application as well. You're right. You should definitely think of your app and your database together.
0: Yeah, just fail, fail the whole thing over and You know, you're still up, but what you're telling me is even if I'm not trying to do Mm multi-master, you're still going to maintain the synchronicity of the data everywhere. So, in a failover scenario, after a certain amount of time, the Americas customers are going to just be working against the UK store fine.
1: Yep, correct. The uh, reads will transfer... Uh, immediately because, mm-hmm. you know, you can read from any region. Uh, if you have to do writes, like you want to update data or create a new document, uh, that would be we have a 15-minute uh, SLA on doing the failover to promote a different region to be able to accept writes, okay. assuming that you didn't have the multi-master already set up.
0: Right. Yeah. And I and like I said, I got the implication from you that you wouldn't – it's relatively rare that you would want multi-master, like that that, that 15 minutes represents enough money to pay the additional cost to be multi master.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the kind of calculation and uh, thing you should be weighing there.
0: Sure, yeah, and that's a, I don't know all, we'd have to figure out the dollar figures. This is very much an (laughs) it depends thing. But I like the granularity that you have these choices. And it sounds like you pretty much don't give me an option. As long as there's more than one region involved, you're just not going to lose my data.
1: Yeah. I think one important thing is uh, if you do end up, let's say you just have a non-multi-master, just single master setup, mm-hmm. uh, there is an option in the portal that you have to enable the automatic failover. So there's a checkbox that you do have to say yes. In the case of a, uh outage or anything like that, let Cosmos DB do the automatic failover. Uh, So you definitely have to check that. If you don't check that, then uh, we...
0: Then you're (laughs) out. Then, then, yeah. But I would also say automatic failover is for Cosmos DB. There's still the app side of this equation. You still have to Mm -hmm. have your own code detecting its outage, switching over, whatever the DNS decisions are around that. Mm -hmm. None of this is trivial. So it makes sense to me that you would... You have to decide how you're going to go about that. I mean, I've just had experience with... Most people find hot failover freaky. Right. <laughs> that you get a message that we've switched centers mm-hmm. as opposed to a warm failover where you're, you're involved in the process and you make the decision. Okay. We're switching to the UK now because something's clearly wrong in America. That's, it, that's a very much a personality thing. So yeah. That, yeah. I, I, you know, you've got all the right details for me here, Deb. As someone who's done enough dealing with the fires of, of <laughs> outages, it's like, yeah, I, we have a choice here. None of these are simple choices. You do have to think about it. There's no easy button. You're going to have to make sure your code understands the problem and we have policies in place on how we actually switch sites. Again, not that I think it happens that often because, you know, we're not seeing outages in the Azure land ever, like, not for months, as far as I know.
1: Knock on wood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just jinxing you left, right, and center today, yeah. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely, definitely is a personality thing. I know we do have customers who like to do the, you know, let's do a uh recovery drill, right? Let's pretend a region is down and we can actually, uh from the cosmos db portal you can actually uh do a manual trigger a manual failover yourself mm-hmm. like let's say uh east us was your main write region and you want to move that over to west us so you can actually do a manual failover uh, obviously you should know what you're doing because you might not want to do this in production but for a dev test uh do a failover and then make sure your application behaves the right way right assuming that oh this region can't accept writes anymore uh you know is it uh you can test is cosmos db actually sending my uh my uh, reads the next region, it should. And then uh, after 15 minutes, is it handling, uh, are the writes going to the other region, right? It will, right? But you can do all these things, test it. And I think the other element here is not just, you know, the technical aspect, but also just, uh, you know, as people, uh, what is the protocol you're going to follow for this when an, an emergency actually happens, right. versus you know well, trying you, to make up stuff in the moment?
0: Yeah, no, no policy makes sense until you've actually exercised it end to end, right? Like you, you really got to practice that thing. It's not a strategy. It's not. It's not a recovery solution if it has never been done. <laughs>
1: That's like the, it's not a backup solution if you never actually tried to restore it. If backup. you haven't actually
0: restored it. Well, nobody needs a backup solution. They only need restore solutions.
1: Right.
0: It happens, you can't You'll have one it. if you don't have a backup solution, but yeah. you, you know, without anything else. Well, this is cool stuff and, it, and it, it seems more mature than ever. We've talked about it a few times, but you, you know how to knock out all my concerns as a DBA. That's uh, great. What's next? Are we expecting things in the immediate future to, to be excited about?
1: Yeah, we have a ton of stuff coming up. Uh, one thing is, uh, adding a, we're calling it Cosmos DB free tier, which is we know that if you, you know, if you do you want to just test out Cosmos DB, do some dev test, or even if you have like a smaller application, uh, we have a new free tier where for any account, we'll give you, uh, and you can have one account per subscription for any new accounts you create in Cosmos DB, we'll give you, uh, your first 400 RUs and your first 5 GB of data free for wow. the lifetime of the account. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Really, so no excuse do, not to yeah. take it out for a spin. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other cool thing that is if you combine it with autopilot, right? Suppose uh, you pick the option for autopilot where you just want to scale between 400 and 4,000 RUs, right? Uh, then 400 RUs is the minimum. So, if you have free tier and you never use it, then it's basically free, right? But if you actually do end up having spikes where you do consume any RUs, then you're really only paying for that delta. So, it's not quite consumption-based pricing, but it does make it a lot easier just to, uh, you know, not think too much about provisioning capacity. Just uh, set the RU, set the free tier, and just watch your app go.
0: See what happens next. Yep. Deborah Chen, thanks so much for coming on Run As Radio.
1: Cool. Thanks so much.
0: And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.